From the Fifth Film Podcast Network and Central Source, this is In Search of Source, celebrating the writers who are saving music journalism from death by clipper. I'm your host, Charlie Taylor, and I am God. No, I'm joking, I'm not. But uh, fuck the government, fuck Boris, in the words of Stormzy. Yeah. Uh, my name's Ryan Gore, and I endorse the message from Charlie Taylor. I'm Ben Carter, and, and I also endorse that message. <laughs> Charlie's God. We, we are, we are, no. Yeah, that one. <laughs> no, 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 uh, it is a non-US lineup, uh, so don't know, don't know how you guys feel about that, but it's nice. It's nice. It's like it's something different. Something different. So shout out to the gang. Uh, in terms of episode, uh, what we're doing this episode, we are going to be talking about a YouTuber uh, who has done a five-video part series on who on the artist who has changed the 2010s or changed music in the 2010s. Uh, objectively, so or subjectively, however you want to see it, and we're also going to be talking about the XXX Tentacion, uh, our uh, documentary that uh, never was. But first, we are going to be talking about hip hop nostalgia, uh, sampling, and all that kind of jazz. So, we shall begin with there. And Ryan, you have the floor, sir. Hi. So um, this piece was written by Yo Phillips of DJ Booth. And if you know absolutely anything about like hip hop journalism, <clears throat> you know who Yo is. Like, he's one of the best writers out right now. One of my favorites. And um, one thing that I love about Yo that this piece does so well is like subtlety. I'm such a fan of subtlety in writing. And what Yo does well in this piece is he's so concise. This piece is about um, nostalgia and hip hop and how it's a bit of a cheat code. But in the end, Yo finds some resolution with it. So uh, he touches on sampling, he touches on remixes, he touches on these reboots, while uh, not going too deep into it where you're unable to come out with your own thoughts, which I think is a is a feat and something journalism should aspire to be more, is leaving things open-ended like Yo does. Um... So he starts off mentioning songs that are coming out now that sample old 2000s tracks that everyone recognises and the whole success of the song and the whole aesthetic of the song is based on that idea that it is nostalgic and you recognise it so you like the song. Um, and he brings up... Well, he mentions this and he's mentions something he says it's kind of resetting what the customer's already bought. Um, but the piece is balanced and he talks about how powerful nostalgia is and he talks about how many people benefit from these situations like the artist um, gets a hit song the artist who's being sampled gets a royalty check and the listener enjoys the track so uh, yeah, I want to throw this to you guys Um, so yeah, Ben, what do you think of this article and what do you think of... uh, sampling and nostalgia is it a cheap trick or is it something that has some merit i had some thoughts on this like i think the the piece is really well written and it's a concept that's too often glossed over for me because i guess it's it's so in in weaved into hip-hop now that we just accept it as part of the landscape but there are two aspects that i really want to speak of and danny brown said it really well when he Originally, when he released the Trusty exhibition, he said that you know he he was putting he was spending a lot of money on samples, but it was totally worth it. And then after mm-hmm. the album came out and it did poorly, he said he would never do it again. And so the issue for me is that only the artists in the upper echelon of commercial success have access to this cheat code, and it is definitely a cheat code. We saw on Chicks Tape Five by Tory Lanez, for example, where you know most of his I think he even said he's not going to make any money off this album. But he is, and his label, uh, they would have paid for all these samples, you know, and look at, uh, rest in peace, Juice World. but look at what Juice World did with Lucid Dreams, where he took that Sting out, uh, Sting song. But these are artists in the upper echelon. Jay-Z and Kanye can spend 200k on samples without breaking a sweat. 
But Danny Brown said that with Atrocity Exhibition, he went into debt for a third of that, like 70 grand. And he was mm. in debt after that. There are ways to circumvent that, but they're, to be honest, they're becoming obtuse in the late 2010s. In the 2000s, artists would simply put out free mixtapes and Lil Wayne was like the god of this, where he would jack everyone's beat and just lyrically slay them on it. But it's becoming less and less popular as the states become more and more litigious. You know, Look at what happened with Blurred Lines with Robin Thicke and, and Pharrell, which is a horrible song anyway, but like they, I think most of their, the, the money they made off that, they had to pay back. So now artists kind of just throw money, music up and wait to get sued and hope that the song is big enough for them to blow up in the, in the meantime so they can leverage that popularity and channel fans into their original work. So I'd, look, I like the piece and I agree with what Yo is saying, but I think it's looking at a very small section of hip-hop where the artists that have access to these samples... Um, are able to use that cheat code, but then it, it just kind of shuts out everyone else. You know, no one else has this opportunity. And if they do, it's like Juice World. He was he was playing a dangerous game when he, he released Lucid Dreams. Mm. You know, he, he was betting that he would blow up off that song and that he could leverage that into, you know, more fame. But if that song didn't blow up and Sting comes along and takes 85% of his royalties, where's Juice World at? He's back at square one. And... That's kind of the issue that I have with sampling. I agree. It's a great nostalgia thing. And Chicks Tape 5 by Tory Lanez is incredible. Uh, but I think it's a little bit elitist, the sample game at the moment. Hmm. That's really interesting. I'm, I'm kind of fascinated by, obviously, with the whole concept of sampling, obviously, like there's a, in my mind, in how, you know, hip-hop was uh, when it originally began, it was more of a homage. So if you take something like Common's Delight, right, and has that Bobby Caldwell <laughs> yeah. uh, sample that we all know by now. There are times. No, I'm not going to do it, but it's a banger, right? <laughs> and because of that, people started listening to Bobby Caldwell after that, after the fact. Like, uh, I think I saw a, um, I think there was a YouTube series where, like, they, uh, I think it was, Magnum Opus, I think the series was called. I don't know if it was like Complex or something like that. But um, but they they covered that. They did an episode on that particular song, and you know, and Bobby Caldwell was like talking about how you know his he there was like a new set of fans for him because of that particular song. In that fashion, sampling obviously is just much more. Um, I think in that way is much more what it's uh, intended to be. But when you get to something like a uh, what was it on the what was it on the article? Yeah, detailist thing. Yeah, why not? Let's use that as an example. Oh, <laughs> bro, thank you, thank bro, you, bro. I can't you. stand, bro. That's that. the laziest shit it's in the world. That's oh, so that, egregiously. Like, there's just, no integrity in that at all. It's yeah, it's, oh, so lazy. There's no point in in having that. I I don't understand it. No, I like Scissor. Rate scissor, love scissor, right? No love way in scissor, hell yeah. that song that shot that song should have dropped. Okay, and I think there was like a no. I think there was a line somewhere where it was saying like uh, it's, it could possibly like uh, you know go uh, have fans gravitate more to Outcast. No, 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 no. It's not, that's not how. That's how. That's not how. <laughs> oh, man. That's, not how that's not how it works. Bobby Caldwell is <laughs> like you know so far out of the uh, the, the hip-hop atmosphere yeah. that that makes sense. Yeah. Who the fuck doesn't know Outkast? <laughs> it's a joke. And if you're in hip-hop, <laughs> how do you do not know Outkast? It doesn't make sense. That's that's no logic in that. But, um, yeah, there's, there's differences. There's differences into that. But just that as a reference is just... It's, it's not it, Chief. Yeah, and that whole situation really annoyed me because... There was nothing creative about it. It wasn't a new spin no. on the track or anything. It was just like, I'm taking this beat. <laughs> and then um, Yo also mentions these uh, reboots, which I thought was really interesting, and I had no idea this was happening. Um, he mentions the Tory Lane album and how he has a song on there called Jerry Sprunger, which is a essentially a reboot of T-Pain's I'm Sprung, which essentially recreates the track with T-Pain, who is singing alongside his vocals from all that time ago with Tory Lanez on it, which is a very strange situation to me. And 
I want to get your thoughts on that. Is that how do you well, see the that? Thing of, yeah. The thing about that was that was so surprised because I said this on our podcast when I was talking about um, Chicks Tape 5. I said it almost felt like a cuckold situation where <laughs> the an, the original artist was on the song and they were just chilling out there like Ashanti on Foolish. They were just chilling out in the cut and Tory Lanez is just going to town on their song, just like going ballistic on it. And look, you know, foolish, etc., etc. They're great songs, but it just felt. I, I, I don't know. Maybe it will happen more often. It was. Pr- it was pretty cool. It Pick was pretty cool, bro. Honestly, I'm, I can't believe you're actually pushing that. I can't believe you're pushing that agenda again. I'm trying. I'm trying. I never look. I'm not saying that Tory took foolish and made it his own. But it, it would have been like, um, you know, with the dedication mixtapes of Lil Wayne, like de- Dedication 2, where he just hopped on everyone's beat, and then he just got uh, the original artist on the beat too to just do a hook, and then Lil Wayne just spazzes lyrically, and then the hook, uh, uh, I don't know, man, I, it feels a bit weird. The reboot feels a bit weird, because it, it's basically like a remix, isn't it? Like, is yeah. that not a remix? It feels strangely meta, I don't know, like... It's like sampling reaching this meta point where we're just recycling the same songs and like it's cool in the way that you, you're building on this song like 10, 20 years later and like maybe 20 years from now there will be a reboot of the Ugh. reboot and Ugh. it'll just go more more meta from there. <laughs> yeah, I know, it's interesting. I also think it's really ironic that we're talking about Tory Lanes, Tory Lanes, on an English podcast, but yeah. That's what's coming on in this country, but... <laughs> well, I, I think from from the article itself, right? Um, there's like a couple of sentences here where it goes like, "Some so, songs are supposed to make people feel. If you make if you make enough people have an attachment to a feeling, you always have a potential hit, right?" And that's obviously just a basic definition of nostalgia. But that kind of just uh, that kind of just makes my point on like I guess the point of a <clears throat> point point of the essence of sampling and obviously like you know how. Even with even with something like Lucid Dreams, right? I'm not a Sting fan in any fashion. I couldn't really care. It actually, if anything, it makes me uh, <laughs> it makes me just want to listen to uh, the message by Nas, to be honest, because it's obviously the same sample, but <laughs> yeah, as a song. But um, you know, that's just, that's just me. Obviously, no people wouldn't have the most people wouldn't have the same feeling like listening to Lucid Dreams and go, oh, now listen to Nas. This doesn't doesn't work like that for everybody, but um. You know, it's just that's just how it is sometimes uh, when it comes to obviously particular samples. But uh, if, yeah, but even with Lucid Dreams, like I just feel like obviously you said Ben, that's a, it was like a risk that was obviously paid off. But even with that said, um, I don't really. I, I mean, well, I can't really. Resp- I can't really comment on if uh, Lucid Dreams is a good song or not. I don't really listen to it to be honest. Uh, but if obviously, obviously it worked in that fashion. But I'm wondering. This is what's going on in my head i'm wondering did people hear the sting uh sample and they were like oh this is you know this is something to go listen to i i kind of wonder that um and in that case if it's if it wasn't mm, was it even yeah. worth taking that risk obviously it worked but if it didn't then you know up shit creek and all that well i guess the original is such an earworm that I think you're right. There's not much cross pollination between Juice World and Sting's really? fan base, and so a lot of those fans, I would, I would just hazard a guess <laughs> to say like 98 percent of those people who listened to that song originally had no idea that it was a sample in the first place. The thing that I, the only other thing I wanted to say on this was there's a difference I think between things like that and then artists like Kanye spending you know, decades digging through crates or premiere or et cetera, et cetera. These artists who, um, I think it was just Blaze who used to say he he would spend $3,000 on a record, no worries, so he could sample it. Just because no one else had that sample, no one else had that record. Um, and they would have like, you know, it was the old school DJ thing, like crate digging thing, where you would go and find obscure samples and obscure songs. Yes. And that is an art form in itself. And I personally don't think Lucid Dreams, the DJ Khaled thing, uh, the Jerry Sprunger thing, that, that's not an art form to me. I, I don't think that's... it's a it, it might be on the same spectrum, but it's way at the other end compared to... Yeah, and so, so even putting them in the same category feels weird to me, man. Like, there's an art form to sampling, and I, I don't think 
the nostalgia aspect is part of that art form because nostalgia is just taking something that's already been popular and just bringing it back again. Like it's the DJ set, man. Like, of course, you play Hot In Here by Nelly and everyone's like, oh my God. Or you sample <laughs> Hot In Here in it by Nelly. Everyone's like, oh my God. But if you go and find a track that no one's ever heard before and flip it, that's an art to me. Yeah, and there's definitely a line to be found between a sample that makes you go, oh, this is nice, they sampled that, oh, that's cool, I recognise that. And the sample yeah. that makes you go, oh, they're doing this? Yeah. Why? <laughs> Why bring this up now? <laughs> so true, man. Which is what that DJ Khaled thing was. Nah, well said. I mean, well I don't really have much, to, I don't really have, uh, much else to say on it, but uh, Nelly, a Nelly mention. Who knew? Didn't see that <laughs> coming today when Nelly. I woke up this morning. I God love Nelly. But shout out to you though, shout out to you. Yeah, shout out to you, man. Thank you. <laughs> yes, let's move on to number two. Ben, all yours. Okay, so this piece is uh, of Pitchfork and it's about XXX Tentacion and a documentary that was allegedly going to come out like they started doing it in 2017 apparently so you know xxx was alive obviously when when this happened rest in peace to him he passed last year and it really drew my eye because i've been consuming a lot of xxx content lately and i've had a few conversations in real life and on twitter about how to separate art from the artist and if we even should especially when an artist is as personal as xxx now the piece is really interesting it could be genuinely infuriating if you're so inclined because the tease of the content that Pitchfork has in its vault and like the trickle feed of information the writer gives about the nature of that content I think is either masterful or torturous. I think personally, I think the writer did an excellent job of remaining impartial and it's highly likely that adding any further content would have mean, would have made it seem as if they were taking sides. Like the quote at the end with the, the phone call... Um, I don't know if anyone's read the piece, but yeah. like it was talking about XXX talking to uh, an ex-partner and um, it did not paint XXX in a good light, the call, basically. So I want to speak first on this, the idea of separating art from the artist. And I want to know what you guys think about that because I wrote at the end of this, like I find this is not a, this is not a topic I would touch as a journalist. And I pride myself on just, saying whatever the frick comes into my head and tweeting out whatever if it's factual i'll tweet it but at the same time this is a conversation that i would really struggle to have or 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 an article i would really struggle to write just about and a documentary that i would struggle to put out you know the the writer says at fader we're trying to do it give both sides and be uh give given an authentic journalist take on it and obviously it's about xxx and um you know the the woman who he allegedly did all those horrible things to but it's a layered article and i wonder what you guys think about firstly about separating the art from the artist well as you mentioned it's like this is like one of the toughest toughest conversations to have and one that seems to have no end because it's so based on your personality i guess yeah. um I think of the open mic eagle line, like standing up because I crossed my line. Like everyone has their own individual line that yeah. uh, an artist may or may not cross. One of the most interesting like examples of this would be Kanye. Um, I feel like people have like had their just been done with Kanye at separate points based on stuff he's done, and like there's no better um, display of sub the subjectivity that comes with this topic than that. Yeah. Uh, but as you say, the, the journalist does such a good job in this article remaining impartial. I know I wouldn't have been able to. Um, so, yeah, and the fact that the piece, the, the uh, documentary talked about in the article was meant to be framed in this question, like, how do you separate the art from the artist if you should? I want to watch it. I'm not a X fan. I never, like, I never sought out his music. The only things i heard about him were those allegations but i want to i would be so curious to watch that documentary just mm-hmm. because i want to know how that question's tackled it's one of the most interesting 
musical topics, really, in my opinion. I mean, while asking, answering your question, uh, Ben, um, I mean, I constantly... I constantly struggle with that particular question, to be honest. Um, it's, I think it's always, uh, I think it's always case by case. Um, yeah. You know, if a if a if, yeah. a, if a guy if a guy like a uh, raps, I murdered a dude. That's, that's you can't separate that from <laughs> you can't separate that kind of shit. You know, what I mean, so, uh, yeah. you, if you did it, then uh, and you go to jail for it, then you ain't separating shit there, right? So uh, mm. obviously, I th- I personally think it's a, always a case by cases um and on the documentary side i think while the article was really well written in terms of just being impartial and just obviously just straight up objective in reporting what what is going to be possibly seen um the documentary itself from how it sounds i feel like it would be extremely uh it sounds extremely hard to uh, find a message in it and stick with that theme. Well, theme actually stick with that theme throughout the whole documentary because you see you see some mentions of like obviously um, his relationship uh, with um, I forgot homegirl's name, but uh, is if if he's descri- you're describing that relationship and that if you film that in a certain way. You know, it's gonna look, it's gonna look uh, kind of positive mm. in a way. And depending on who you are, yeah. you might want that, you might not want that. And I just think, I honestly don't think it's worth the the Twitter blow up. To be honest, it, it's kind of just all I, excuse me, that's all I can kind of um, see, uh, foresee when I just like uh, when I when I hear the if if this kind of documentary went out, it would just be people either going like you know they're having the exact same conversation that they were having when he was obviously here and obviously when he was uh, he was going through all that domestic violence stuff you know you either you either believe him or don't believe him or you know what i mean it's just it's just it's just going to rehash all of that and i don't really i'm <laughs> i mean i personally wouldn't really want to watch it cuz i just don't really frankly uh, be that indulgent on that on this particular topic of of x but um you know I, I just think from a documentary perspective and just actually trying to make one it'll just be extremely hard to just uh walk that cross walk that uh what's that word the 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 the, the wire the wire basically yeah the the Tyrus. it's just that's just that sounds impossible to be honest so i wouldn't even bother trying that it's just a nutty <laughs> nope nope yeah and especially yeah, with I mean, I th- his estate down your throat like threatening you and stuff like must be impossible yeah i mean the well the idea of i think you're right you guys are both right every individual has a right to pick and choose what art they interact with and whether they can and cannot separate the art from the artist obviously r kelly is an example where i will never ever listen to r kelly's music but again you know you hear people listen to ignition and i don't know man look it's it's their decision like I can't I can't say that that's illegal. I can't say to you that's wrong. I had a conversation with a friend about Triple X and he said he'd never consider listening to him ever again. And I respect that, but I still listen to him all the time. Um, as for the documentary, like I know that Ryan, you said you, you would be so keen to watch it. I'm, I'm torn. And, and I think this is my bias that coming into this because I think as a journalist, it would be so difficult. You know, the, there's two aspects to this. Firstly... How are you going to remain impartial creating this documentary? Exactly. Secondly, like XXX, XXX is dead. So off rip, he can't, he can't yeah. defend himself. Okay. So if you're going to take the side of the woman, and look, I don't, I'm, I'm, I don't mean to be disrespectful in this. By the way, I don't know the, no, none of us know the facts of the case. The cases have been dropped, and and no charges ended up being seen to their full fruition. But if you're going to take the case of uh, the side of the woman, XXX is not here to defend himself. If you're going to take the side of X, he's passed. So obviously he's going to get a lot more sympathy and the cases are done. So I personally don't see a reason for this documentary to come out. But now I'm saying that as a fan of X and I'm wondering if I'm only saying that because if I am confronted with actual harrowing facts of what this man has done to this woman maybe 
I feel like garbage about myself forever even listening to his music. I don't know, man. It's such a it's such a difficult thing, and I can't even imagine how a journalist would go about tackling this if they're going to do it. And I assume it will be done because clearly X's record label have shown no shame in no. just exploiting Ooh, his past. I was just material. about to go there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And just putting it out for money. You know, we're going to speak about it tomorrow on our podcast, but I want to speak about it here. Like, the the record label came out and and released a statement and told his fans to stream his album so that it would get higher up on the charts. They said, we know you're a massive XXX fan and you're all dedicated. Can you please stream this so it gets higher up on the charts? It's like, nah, man, you released a total dud. His fans aren't fucking with it. Just get over it. It's done. Like, what are you doing? And so there's that other angle to it if this documentary ever comes out is it being disrespectful to someone who's passed he didn't get an opportunity to tell his side of the story like it's just a messy situation and i'm surprised that anyone would even be considering doing this and and that's why i thought the the article was really great because the journalist is speaking like pretty impartially about this if it were me as ryan said i'm not so sure that i would be impartial I'm sure I would be impartial with regards to the case, but I don't think I would be impartial writing an article about a possible documentary. I'd be pretty critical. I'd be like, man, what are your motivations for putting this out? Yeah, I don't think of anything to add to that. (laughs) I mean, I will say one thing, uh, just echoing uh, basically what Ben said, to be honest. like The fact that his, uh, I think it's his label or whatever, uh, basically owned the rights to like. And I think it says uh, it says near the end of it that uh, they're gonna they're basically gonna drop it, uh, drop the documentary itself. And I'm just like, what, what, you, you need to think about that because uh, <laughs> uh, shoving this uh, shoving it down people's throats isn't isn't you know it's, it it just seems uh, what's the word it just, it just seems a bit disingenuous. It, it, it's just a, you know, they, they, I get, I, I, I have, you know, they probably like have all the interest in heart, you know, all, all of uh, X's interest in heart, and like want to, you know, preserve his legacy and all that kind of stuff. But it's, it's not, it, the album didn't go well. <laughs> I did listen to it, but for what we, it did not go well. Um, just by, just, no. just by the track list alone, just it's jarred boring. me a little bit because yeah. I was just like, Stefan Don? It's garbage, did, did she, yeah. What did you, but, okay, fine, sure. You know what I mean? It's just, it's odd. It's just odd. I love Steph London. No, no, no disrespect. Love Steph London. Even just Rick actually, Ross, happy birthday like, to us actually, as as of this recording. But um, yeah, it's just it just doesn't it doesn't vibe. It doesn't vibe. It clearly has that uh, you know the the bad side of posthumous albums where they just have people that have nothing to do with the artist, just be on it, just to be on it, and you know basically basically a clout album and. I just don't really. I don't really. In this case, in this case, in terms of their track record, the bad vibes yeah, for other people. Yeah. Um, it just seems like a, a shoddy track record in trying to uh, be true to who he was, so to speak. And uh, you know, this doc, they can they can edit the documentary how they want, and that also just worries me from a pure yeah. um, just creation standpoint. They can literally just make it as if like he's a, he was an absolute saint, and that's obviously not the case so <laughs> it just seemed it, i don't know just the whole potential of it just just screams murky to me just it's just it's just like dirty water you just you know nah, don't want to touch it but yeah uh shout out to mark hogan and matthew strauss for that uh, particular article yeah um, just, that. i mean like nice little long form nice little long form Alright, we'll move on. Alright, let's have some let's have some fun. Have some fun. Crazy Um, crazy crazy dialogue. It's not even me. It's not even me. I didn't even expect it to be to be to have this uh, hype around it. But Ben's hype more hype for this than me and I'm I'm I kinda I kinda I'm just like, okay, let's go get it. So uh, my uh, piece that I am that I'm giving uh, to the to the class is uh, by Polyphonic, and I say it like that because he's Canadian, and I love how he says his name. Um, he basically obviously does uh, <laughs> uh, music video essays. He's done uh, amazing work over the past few years. Uh, he did a, I think, uh, did one on Jimi Hendrix recently. Uh, well, a, a while back that was absolutely amazing. Um, 
uh, from someone who knows practically nothing about Jimi Hendrix. So it's so great. And uh, got really good visuals. But um, in the spirit of obviously being the end of the decade, uh, he decided to make a five-part series on who he thinks are the five artists that changed, uh, I guess, music or influenced the 2010s, like the biggest, uh, 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 I guess, uh, what's the word, uh, uh, pedest- uh, people to put on a pedestal, basically, for the 2010s, the people who changed the 2010s. And the five artists were uh, David Bowie, uh, Taylor Swift, Kanye, Beyonce, and Kendrick Lamar. So, with that said, uh, I want to ask, I want to kick it off uh, by asking uh, you guys, uh, if you do, you do you agree with that five? And if not, who are you taking out and who are you putting in instead? Ben, do you want to go? Do you want to? Do you want to start by any chance? <laughs> no, 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 no. Right, let Ryan jump in. Uh, Ryan, you jump in. Just jump in, Ryan. Okay. So, um. I feel slightly unequipped, especially because I'm not familiar with David Bowie or Taylor Swift too much, so... I don't even my fam, don't worry. Yeah, cool. So I guess, like, quite unfairly... Okay, I'm going to do it based on his arguments in the video, like how I felt he put his arguments across. So based on that, I'd probably take out Bowie and Taylor Swift. Um, I feel like the other three artists had such such a strong uh, grasp on this decade that it's really yeah. difficult to justify anyone else. If I had to replace um, those two, um, it's difficult. I guess uh, I hate to say it, but probably Drake. Um, Drake could probably be up there, unfortunately. Yeah, it's not nice. It's not nice. Um, <laughs> no one wants that but um I, I didn't say that and then you actually no <laughs> instead of drake i say kid cuddy i can say oh uh, yeah i'll say i'd that's play a drake good shout. Cuddy. that's a, good that's shout. a really good shout Not bad. Not bad. and if i had to put in one more looking around at my music in my room <laughs> <laughs> and, and, here, and here i thought he was going to be objective about it um, <laughs> I'm going to go for an underground pick, someone who's influenced the underground a lot. And I'm going to say... I'm going to go with Open Mike Eagle. And I'm not going to justify it. <laughs> okay, just throw it out there. Okay, fine. Just yeah, sure. No, yeah. no explanation. Brilliant. <laughs> I saw that coming a mile away. I was like, I just had like five names in my head. I was like, he's going to pick one of them. Fuck's sake. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Fair enough. <laughs> All right, that's fair. That's fair. Um, look, I think the videos were okay. I think they were done pretty well. Obviously, I'm not agreeing with five. Um, I think that Beyonce and Kendrick are twin Rock at the top for me. I think both of them were the most impactful and influential this decade. I, I think it's really hard to split the two of them. Beyonce in a bit of a different realm to Kendrick, although Kendrick has obviously put on some incredible shows and, and put in some incredible performances. It was that Grammy was it a Grammys that he did that that performance, the that incredible car? performance? I think it was all, God, all, yes. all right. Yeah. Unbelievable, man. But then you look at Beyonce with Coachella and she dropped the visuals for Lemonade and her self titled album and bro, yep. man, come on, like unbelievable decade both of those artists i'm not mad at them being at at the top at all david bowie was an interesting choice i'm a massive david bowie fan uh i'm not mad at it i'm not mad at it you know bowie's bowie's like the thing about this the thing about bowie's decade is it had a more pop focused bent to it but it definitely sounded like nick cave lou reedy kind of stuff and when rock music, you know, a lot of rock musicians have passed young, and David Bowie was relatively young. I think he was in his 60s when he passed. For him to sit down and know that he was going to pass and still record and release Black Star is incredible. I think that's unbelievable. And look, I'm not sure that Bowie's influence will be felt off those two albums, but I really do think it is possible that it will be in future. I think it was very mature of him, and from a genre that's been lacking any kind of anything in the last 15 years like 
bro, what what has rock done in the last 15 years? Apart from artists like Swans who have turned it and created a real like ambient, melodic, or even like dark and, you know, a sludgy element, uh, almost a meditative element, rock has not evolved. And for Bowie to put out two albums that were very, very engaging in that sense and very different to the norm i'm not super mad at that choice um kanye west i'm not really putting him in there you know look i think kanye's had a great decade okay i think kanye's had a great decade if we're gonna if we're gonna include pre-2010 releases yes i think he has been one of the most impactful this decade because i think Ada weights has basically soundtracked the last five years of hip-hop music i think it's you know even the last two weeks on Billboard, the, the number one albums have been Roddy Rich and Trippy Red. And you tell me, like, they don't exist without 808s. Like, they're just 808s ripoffs. You know, that's... And, <clears throat> like, it's still in 2019, 11 years later, we're still looking at that influence. And Kanye had to go, like, ultra. He, he went all the way to the end of that spectrum to create that path for these new artists. So... But then since, I don't know, man, My Beautiful Dark Tips of Fantasy, Watch the Throne, like you could say Watch the Throne influence, uh, What a Time to Be Alive, but I think they would have released that project anyway, Drake and Future. Yeezus, maybe, like it was very industrial, it was very aggressive, but, you know, we see that in a bit, like with Smoke Perp and a little bit with XXX, but still, I don't think it was super influential. I'm not mad at Kanye being on there, but I personally wouldn't put him on there. Um... Taylor Swift, I'm going to keep it like pretty light. I, I, I don't think she has any business being anywhere near this list in any way, shape, or form. I don't think she's been influential in any way. The argument that they made on the video about her writing her own songs, I mean, that was true of like two albums, and then the next three were like written with co-writers. And they just, they, man, they're not good albums, you know? And like... I posted up some statistics on hip-hop numbers this morning. So if you want to look at at Taylor Swift's commercial success, Drake has outstripped her dramatically, like almost doubled her in every category. So I don't see how Taylor Swift would go in above Drake. Um, I would definitely place someone like, firstly, Rihanna above Taylor Swift. I don't know how you could have Taylor Swift and not Rihanna. Rihanna's been incredible. She's kept her relevance this whole decade. She's barely released any music. I mean, Auntie was... How many years ago now? What was that, 2015? 2014, something that like that. Was, yeah, yeah. That was wild. That's her last album. And she's still one of the most streamed and one of the most decorated commercial artists this decade. Look at her relevance in things like movies, in fashion. She has just managed... She is the blueprint for how to like just diversify everything and go in every direction and be relevant and successful in every direction. And then... If we're, again, a like-for-like replacement, freaking put Adele in there, man. Like, Adele brought um, actual real singing back into pop music. Adele is a, is a bona fide pop star. But she freaking sings well, man. She, she belts it out. Um, look, I'm not saying she's the greatest singer in the world, but I really think that she toes the line between pop appeal and actual singing ability and songwriting ability. So I don't see how Taylor Swift matches up there. Personally, for me, there's been a million Taylor Swifts. There's been like 30 of them. Like there's been Madonna, there's been Britney, there's been Christina, there's been Ariana Grande, there's been Selena Gomez. Like how many of these artists are there? And I know Taylor Swift was writing her own music, but that was the 2000s. It's the 2010s. She's not writing her own music anymore, guys. She's just singing over pop beats that have been made by Max Martin everyone's done it it's been done it's not that great she's not that influential she should not be anywhere near this list i'm sorry absolutely co-signed i'm glad i didn't have to do that around myself oh well uh, well you know what you started off you started off uh, being soft and then you came back with a nice right hook so you know <laughs> i was waiting for that i was waiting for that right hook I and i knew you could seats. i knew you could stay away I knew you could but um in terms of, I find it interesting how you guys are talking about it because obviously I think we've already been giving it different criteria. So like Ben, when you talk about obviously, uh, I guess uh, Rihanna, which is a great pick, and I'd probably replace her with Taylor Swift to be honest. I think that's a great uh, swap, straight up swap to be honest. Because the way you explain how how she has changed the 2010s and probably the future is actually quite fascinating because if you really think about it and obviously in this 
digital way, streaming age and uh, streaming era, whatever. Obviously, factually, there's less money to there's less money in the pie than there used to be in the uh, turn of the last mm. the last decade, right? So, with that said, mm. you can easily imagine how, like, in the next ten years, it's going to be about how you could even see it now how artists are trying to obviously diversify their portfolio in a sense where they can try not just do music and they're trying to do other things from a business standpoint you know obviously like uh, clothing whatever you know just other stuff fashion right and other and other things mm. um i think that's a real like you said i think that's a real blueprint um, there are many artists right now that are trying to do that. Obviously, like uh, people like uh, Dreezy and uh, Stefan Don, I think they have a humor deal or something like that. Uh, well, actually, I think uh, Megan Thee Stallion has that as well. So, obviously, that's a thing. Uh, you know, obviously, fashion's always been hip-hop anyway, but I think right now it's become more of an incentive because of how you can't just do music and be, you know, and be minted like you used to. So, that's actually a good shout. But, um... Mm. Yeah, the, the the word influence I'm trying to think about because musically, obviously I'm putting Kendrick on here because it's Kendrick, right? But do, I'm not I'm not in in the in the same vein that you're talking about 808s, right? Um, in terms of that kind of influence, nobody's trying to make a T-Pab right now, you know what I mean? And that's no that's not a detriment that's not in the yeah, detriment the, to Kendrick just... at all. But I'm just I'm just saying in like influence. I don't want to. I don't want to. I don't want to cut you off. Like I don't want to cut you off. But the, the two things that have really struck because I agree with you, yeah, and I just want to get this point out. I think that Kendrick's influence. I've been. I've been going through Cole's discography, and look, I really like Cole. I think he's a, a really solid artist. But I've just noticed such a change in his statistics and music and his lyrical content post T Pab and Good Kid, Mad City. And then when mm. I listened, the, the first time I ever listened to Logic was Under Pressure. And I was like, oh, shit, it's Good Kid, Mad City Part 2. And that's that's Logic's best album. And you could make a case for For Your Eyes Only being Cole's best album. And I honestly think the only reason that neither of... Uh, Kendrick hasn't been... We, we're not seeing Kendrick's music just uh, littered across the landscape is because it's freaking hard to we're do. We're not seeing children, you know what I mean? I just think it's hard to do. I think Kanye with 808s was simple. It was simple, but it was hard because it was innovative. Yeah. But now it's simple to imitate. Kendrick, how the fuck are you going to imitate T-Pap? People are trying, <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like when when someone does successfully imitate it, it will be a classic album if it comes from the right artist. So I think, yeah, I just wanted to make that point. I, I agree with you. I, I see what okay. you're saying, but I think there is yeah, influence yeah, yeah. there. Ken? Okay, no, that's a good, that's a good show. I, I could be... Uh, go for that. Um, actually, one of my albums for the albums that uh, in my albums of the year list uh, is, does gets very very close to like T Pab kind of a uh, uh, foundation. So that's a oh, and I think that song. like but um in, honestly it's like on Kendrick like I came into this video fully expecting to have like I mean I came into his videos fully expecting to come out thinking okay Beyonce like Beyonce and Kanye it's obviously gonna be Beyonce mm-hmm. and Kanye I knew. I had the same kind of thought process you had about Kendrick. Like he's made incredible music, but in terms of shaping a decade, it's not. It's not the same thing as just releasing great albums it's a in the it's decade. A different, it's a different way of looking at it when it comes to Kendrick, isn't it? But I had the strongest emotional reaction to that Kendrick video. Like, oh, I yeah, I listened to it. I mean, I, yeah, I watched it, and yeah, I like. I really like. It was clear that he was number one for me. Like as soon as I watched it, I was like. It's so obvious. Like, I was watching. I didn't like write stuff down as I was watching. It was like I need to get these feelings onto like, my notes up right now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, uh-huh. It was like what Kendrick did. Like this decade, he went from being an absolute, pretty much a nobody in 2010, to making some of the most important music like of the entire decade. Like it's he he like exemplifies what art is in my eyes. Like the like the documentation of life expressed in a way like some regular person couldn't ever do it like it's using his talent to display the display and comment on and even criticize like and advance like the human experience like mm-hmm. and he just does it so well it's like mm. the amount of, um, 
unbelievable emotion like the creativity he has as well the songs like sing about me songs like fear songs like back of the berry songs like you that's some of the most raw like expressions of human experience i've ever heard in my entire life and i think like there's nothing more that shapes a decade for someone who's so boundary pushing so dense and so important like people responded to him because he was detailing their experience and kind of building upon their experience like this decade like conversations about race have been so prevalent conversations about mental illness have been so prevalent and songs like you albums like to be a butterfly bring those things together so well songs like fear bring those things together so well he fuses like the what's on the minds of everyone and expresses it in art and like and he represented society but also represented music the way he sound his sound evolved from section 80 to damn that's that's this decade in music, isn't it? Yep. Like, early 2000s, oh, yep. in hip-hop anyway. Like, making a song like Humble, coming from making songs like um, oh, yeah. Fuck Your Ethnicity, you know? And, like, the fact that All Right became the soundtrack to, like, the most important race uh, movement of the of the decade just speaks volumes. And, yeah, so for, for me, like, that cemented Kendrick as the artist of the decade, the definitive artist mm. who documented this decade in history. Um, I mean, yeah, in the, in, well and more said. just a thing to what you what you guys suggested. Um, I mean, Adele. My problem with Adele is well, I don't have a problem with Adele. Let's, let's reword that. My my thing with Adele is like I don't she she, she ain't even she ain't even the best uh, in terms of uh, UK vocalists that even dropped around that time when she was popping. For me, it's Emily Sande, right? If we're talking about like pure music, and I'll stop there because all all hail the Queen on that front. But um, I get what you mean by Adele. I think that's a good shout. Um, I'm trying to the the Bowie one was really interesting to me because obviously, well, not obviously, but I I have a. I haven't, I haven't listened to Bowie at all. Um, I've listened to, like, you know, the popular songs and stuff like that. It's very limited in terms of my knowledge. Um, but I found, I did find that particular video in that case made very fascinating because obviously he, uh, Polly, uh, made it as if, like, he's setting a... Uh, basically, like, setting a marker for um, music in terms of, like, how... Obviously, his generation is whittling down in numbers, and I like it. I mean, like you, like you said, uh, in terms of Black Star, that, that to have the foresight, and obviously he had a uh, cancer at that time, so obviously it was a. Obviously, the num he knew his days were uh, numbered, but he could have easily just died halfway through recording, and it could have just gone could have just gone half an album. But the fact that he actually completed it, did music videos for it, went for the whole thing, and then literally died like I don't know, like a week or so afterwards is actually just, I don't know, either pure luck or just uh, pure mysticism, however you want to see it. But um, I did find that an interesting... Uh, obviously, personally, I wouldn't say that's purely off not listening to him, you know, not being not being that kind of guy. But uh, I, di- I did respect the pick. I, I did respect that particular pick. Um, but, yeah, the, the, whole, the whole concept of this is kind of interesting because, obviously, we, are, we have kind of uh, broken it down in terms of how how they've changed it because obviously changing the tw- the 20 uh, changing music and, and the music landscape of the 2010s is obviously very broad but obviously we've gone obviously like people like kendrick and beyonce who've uh changed i guess the culture of of music and uh on on that front by trying to take you know the foundations that hip-hop and r&b are based on the blues the soul the uh, reggae even stuff like that you know other black art from previous uh, from pu- previous generations. That's obviously something that needs to be um, always noted, and we always need eyes like that to hail. Obviously, Kanye's more of a influence from a sound perspective, and also just uh, in terms of like how hip hop sounds today, um, for better or worse. Uh, I do I do want to throw Rihanna in that fourth because uh, just personally, because I do really like I said, I think she really has just like the blueprint of a modern artist. I would say just um, in terms of like how you just you know you, you can't just do music anymore. You have to, and she doesn't even tour. Let's just speak about that. She doesn't even. She doesn't even. I don't even know the last time she toured. So on that front, she had the blueprint. But um, you do obviously do need to tour in that kind of uh, if you're 
just oh, being an artist. Good point. But she's traded that for something different, obviously for the film stuff, um, and obviously for the uh, Fenty and all that kind of stuff. So uh, I think I really do think that's kind of the blueprint. Um, whether people, are, whether are there going to be so many artists trying to drop a perfume like uh, Jay Z did back in the day, uh, that remains to be seen, and that remains to be uh, wanted. <laughs> Uh, to me, to, uh, if we won that or not, uh, that'd be, that'd be quite funny. If it, it, it was just like a, just <laughs> <kind of nice laughs> and, some random rapper just drops a perfume, and just gets roasted. I can see it. I can, I can see it now. Just... I want to smell like well, a I mean, female female that, stars yeah. always drop them. Like Taylor Swift dropped her perfume. Beyonce's got perfumes. Lady Gaga's got perfumes. So it's pretty rare. Nicki Minaj had them back in the day. But the other thing I just want to say on Kanye, because you know, obviously, there's the elephant in the room, is the fact that. He has a fashion empire. But what I spoke about and what I felt about this was it's been done. It's been done. It's not new. And yes, Kanye took it to a whole new level with the hype beast kind of stuff and the reselling and I'm going to sell socks for $80 at Sunday service, etc., etc. But like again, it's not to me changing anything. It's just improving on something that's already happened and Kanye has changed a lot don't get me wrong like I think he's been one of the most influential artists of all time but I just don't think he did it enough in the 2010s I think he tried um maybe we could point to the life of Pablo I think it was the first album to ever go number one where 50% of the sales were streams um and you know he turned it into kind of like where he would uh edit the album after it dropped uh but no one else is really doing that yet um his live performances were great i don't know man kanye's been a little bit too erratic for me this decade to really say yeah you've been totally because because the problem with kanye is he just jumps from thing to thing to thing to thing and he never gives anyone enough time to live with it Mm. and to actually like the thing i always said about 808s was kanye built the bridge or kanye sorry kanye discovered that a bridge needed to be built and then artists like future built the bridge because they spent the whole of their career making that music and making it popular kanye just goes around discovering wild shit jay-z had this incredible line in an interview once he said kanye is like the guy that you send over the hill to find out how many enemies there are and he runs back full of arrows and he goes oh there's a lot of them over there and kanye just does it all the time he just runs over the hill gets shot full of arrows and then runs back and tells everyone, and then everyone decides, oh, do we want to go that way? Do we want to fight that battle? Or do we not want to? And that's why I think it's hard to pin down his how he's changed a decade, because like he creates an avenue for change, but I never see him sitting down and doing the change himself, except with fashion, but I still think that that's been done before. I thought you were staying in the case half of that time, but uh, the last bit, I guess, I guess it makes it... Yeah, I mean, I'm just a bit confused. Like, I, I, I'm not mad at him being on this list, but I, I don't know, man. I'm, I'm finding it hard to pin down what he's, what he's changed. I mean, it's just a matter of like, you know, he, even though, like you say, in terms of like how he's discovered stuff, or you know, or just gone to, gone to one place after the next. You know, there's, there's plenty of artists to do the exact same thing. That's kind of what. In uh, some in some cases, uh, some people will call that like the purest uh, way of doing art, like not doing the same thing twice, kind of thing. You know, yeah. it's just you know that's how, that's how some people like to see art. Um, you know, and then and obviously people like to see the same thing or or, or in a different skin. Now, if you want to see, it, everyone has their different tastes on that front. But yeah, I mean, I. I I lo- I I kind of disagree with you, but uh, you do make a good point in terms of like how he just hops from one thing to the next and doesn't, I guess, be. But but you know, if he if he's going to be the pioneer, thing, isn't that really enough for most people? And you know, music's always yeah. there to sit yeah, on, yeah. like you say. It's not exactly like it's not exactly like he does an IG live stream and then it and then it's gone <laughs> forever. You know what I mean? It's <laughs> it's, it's it's there. You, you still. You can still listen to the yeah. stuff, so you know it's not like it's not there for people to digest. Um, but yeah, yeah. But wait, with that said, if you if you if you even thought about taking out Kanye, who would you put in? And that's just a whole nother conversation that I don't want to get into. Yeah, I, you're right, man. Like I don't know who who you put in place of Kanye. Yeah, because despite jumping from thing to thing to thing, 
he still he still had some uh, hand in pioneering those things like um i i think i'm surprised the video didn't bring up uh, 808s i think it's too important of a thing not to bring up yeah because even though it came out in 2008 it has influenced the 2010s it's it's pretty much um it's kind of been existing in the background while he d- goes off and does these other things. It's like he'll start a thread and let it continue then while he's working on this other thread. Leave that continue, just yeah. jump from thing to thing. But those threads are still going and like the things that he, the foundation he's laid down are still being built upon. So I, I find it really difficult to remove Kanye from this. Yeah, that's fair. I don't think, yeah, I think you're right. And just on Bowie, just quickly, I, I, the, the thing just looking at this list... It seems like they got a rock artist, they got an R and B artist, they got pop artist, they got hip hop artist, and then they got Kanye. <laughs> Kanye is just everything. <laughs> so maybe that's why maybe that's why they added Bowie in there. And and I want to defend like Bowie's Bowie's been incredible. He's just to end on that. He's the consummate rock star. Like Bowie has just been everything and everyone. He's played. He's had freaking stage shows. He's played characters. He's played roles. He's done heavy rock. He's done ambient music. He's just done everything. And yeah, I mean, like, I just think rock's stale at the moment. And for him to be in this list, that does not surprise me. I don't know who else you could put in place of David Bowie. Like, there's no other rock star. You could maybe put Jack White in there, but that'd be a that'd be a that'd be a stretch. So, um. I can't even think, man. Off the top, I'm a massive rock fan too, and rock has just died this this decade. Like, I can't even think who else would be even close to that list. Well, I for one, Ben, am kind of uh, hurt that you haven't mentioned new metal. <laughs> new metal. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm done. I'm done. I'm sorry. I'm just to give that a joke. You know I'm, I'm a fan of new metal. <laughs> Look, Limp Bizkit hasn't released anything good this decade. If they had, you know, I'd be putting them in there. Golden Cobra was not that great, okay? Golden Cobra was not that great. Just respect on Alien Ant Farm. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. Oh, man. I don't don't know how... Like, honestly, I I see every... um, On on the concept of... um, On topic of rock, every time uh, the, uh, the, uh, the, 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 the list for Download Festival comes through, here in the UK, there's this, there's this guy that, that oh, on Facebook. Got that here too. He just yeah, he just posts it, and he goes, "Oh look, everyone, it's the same lineup <laughs> year upon year." This Bro, is, my chemical, it. my it chemical romance, my chemical romance is playing in um in Australia this year at Download, and and my friend is going to it, and she said, "Do you want to come with me?" I'm like, "No, I don't, <laughs> man." Like the Deftones. When the Deftones out in like 2000, she's like, yeah, it's nostalgic. I said, it's not nostalgic. There's just nothing. There's literally nothing new. That what it, What's going to go on there? No one's listening to rock anymore. So, yeah, man, it's, it's kind of funny, actually. It's like going to Rolling Loud and it's like, it's just it's, it's like Bow Wow's there. It's just like, what? Wait, what? 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 <laughs> so, Soldier Boy just comes out and sings <laughs> Crank That. They f- they find Jay Quan somewhere and he comes Yo, out and does tipsy. Jay Quan, bro. Like, Jay oh, fucking Quan. Shout out to Jay Quan. <laughs> fucking you Shout out wherever you are, Jay Quan. You're probably listening to this podcast <laughs> yeah, right now. Yeah, I got now. a fake ID though. So fucking shout out what to you. What <laughs> <laughs> uh, Oh, but we shall finish it there. Uh, shout out to Polyphonic for that um, amazing conversation. Uh, that was that was that was. Uh, as fruitful as I thought it'd be. <laughs> I don't know about you guys. That was, that was very fruitful. <laughs> that was good. That was good. <laughs> but yes, uh, shout out to all the uh, writers and creators uh, we've shouted out in this uh, particular particular uh, the, the podcast episode. Uh, Mark Hogan and Matthew Strauss, obviously in Pitchfork, in Extentacion uh, uh, article. Uh, Yo for the sampling uh, article and homage and nostalgia and also Polyphonic for, the, for his YouTube series. And we shall leave it there, ladies and gentlemen. This has been in search of source. Um, I, 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 this is weird because, like, I obviously have two other podcasts, and I don't know how to finish. So, hi, bye, deuces. Peace.
episode of Inserted Source featured Charlie Taylor for the Fifth Open Podcast Network, Ben Carter and Ryan Court of the Central Source Creative Collective. The episode is edited by me. Music for this show is structured up by Basti. Thanks to Joel Records for your being for you. This has been a Central Source and Fifth Element Podcast Network production. Links for Basti, Joel Records, Central Source, The Fifth Element and content covered in the episodes can all be found in the description below. Thanks for listening. We hope to see you next time as we continue our search for Source.